0: Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing and want to catch up on the episodes that you've already missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is always free, and you'll never miss another episode again. On this episode, I thought I'd take a look at the action around the league following a big Jets win. We're going to take a look at some of the other games that were ongoing, and maybe talk a little bit about the Montreal Canadiens, which are uh, one of Winnipeg's tougher opponents coming up this week, and check in to see if they're actually as good as I thought they were, or if they've started to hit something of a rocky stretch. Like the Jets, the Habs have had a bit of a rockier start over the past couple of weeks, so maybe the uh, the armor that I thought... ...was initially unpenetrable for the Jets might actually be very clunky and not too uh, not too hard for the Jets to break through. Before then though, let's take a look around the league starting with the games on February 22nd, which was yesterday... Last night we kicked off with Florida versus Dallas, and the Panthers ended up beating Dallas 3-1. to I think the Panthers continue to be a very good team, one of the ones that's more underappreciated in that central division. And they seem to have found a pretty consistent form. It seems like Joel Quenville and that roster might starting to be gelling right now, and they're also getting pretty decent goaltending, so I don't know. The Panthers are an interesting squad. I feel like if, if Chris Dreiger is the real thing and Bobrovsky is able to, I don't know, even be league average, maybe that forward and defensive unit actually holds up and ends up being a bit of a playoff contender. That team has a lot of interesting weapons, but a lot of the longer-term veterans like Aaron Ekblad, Jonathan Huberdeau, and Alexander Barkov continue to lead the way for the team. Carter Verhagiu is also a very big part of this roster, especially earlier on in the season, and I feel like, you know, guys like these who have been really good depth ads just make this this whole Panthers team really click. It's pretty easy to see that they ended up dominating this game because I remember checking in periodically and and... I you know Dallas was getting outshot massively, and by the end of the game, the Panthers had outshot them 52 to 25. It's pretty clear that the Panthers basically owned the majority of the offense on the evening and certainly owned a lot of the puck possession, which is going to hurt a team like the Stars who definitely need a little bit more time to set things up and get some of their offensive schema working. The Stars don't have, like, an abundance of really high-end scoring talent outside of guys that they found like Denis Girionov and a few others, but that roster definitely lacks a lot of upfront firepower, so I feel like in a situation like this where they're just getting dominated in possession and scoring chances, it's going to be hard for them to create much. Only getting one power play on the night doesn't make things easier, so I'm sure Dallas just really couldn't establish much of a rhythm, and I imagine that this is going to be an issue if they face another team that has the kind of depth that the Panthers do. Up next, we had Tampa Bay versus Carolina, yet another uh, Florida-based team dismantling the Carolina Hurricanes 4-2. This seems like it was a pretty even game. I feel like this is actually a very good matchup between two teams that have extremely good offenses, um, as well as pretty good pretty good uh, defensive structures and, and really just two strong, well-rounded rosters. You know, the Lightning haven't quite been as invincible as they used to be in previous seasons, but this team is still very good. Carolina's in a similar position of of maybe not being quite on the level of what they were hoping for, but still an extremely strong team that performs night in and night out. I feel like you also have to take into account, even though they have surrendered a couple of games here, both of these teams... Together have 8 regulation losses, which is pretty crazy because we are about a third of the way through the season. These squads just have the depth to to take apart just about anyone in the league, so it's going to be interesting to see how these teams continue to match up against each other because it's easy to see either Tampa Bay or Carolina genuinely making a cup run. I, I don't know that it's going to run through both of these teams, but I have a feeling that there is a decent chance at least one of these squads might be in the cup finals, or at least getting closer than most of their other opponents. The next two teams involved in yet another game that we probably won't be seeing in the Stanley Cup Finals are again New York based, and this one is the Buffalo Sabres versus the New York Islanders. The Islanders ended up prevailing 3-2, but from what I was hearing and following along throughout the game, it sounded like the Islanders were definitely the stronger team, and Buffalo just didn't really create a whole lot. The Sabres recently have fallen off the cliff a little bit, and I feel like all of the earlier signs of stronger play and momentum that they were trying to build have seemingly stopped over the past couple of weeks. I feel like the, the losses that continue to up, their lack of goal scoring, and the general sense of malaise that seems to plague this team have just continued to really wreak havoc on, on Buffalo's ability to create. I don't know how you handle the situation because Jack Eichel is obviously one of the best centers in the league and he's definitely a huge part of that offense, but if the Sabres can't turn things around, I wonder if he starts asking for a trade. He made it clear losing constantly wasn't going to be a satisfying alternative for him, so, you know, at this point, the Sabres need to win, and I don't really think that they have the roster to do it. The question, again, of what you do with Eichel is going to start coming back, and I feel like everyone should be in on Jack if he is actually available, because, you know, Eichel is a huge difference maker, he's an incredible center, his contract is expensive, but he's worth it, and you just won't find another franchise center available on the market very often. So, you know, the Sabres have a lot of work to do, and it might start with uh, moving Eichel eventually, especially in the offseason. Up next, we had a North Division matchup between the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Calgary won 3-0. This result probably will be a little bit surprising. I think David Riddick was in net, and, uh, you know, Riddick has had a tough start to this season. He did have a very good performance against the Leafs, though, and it seems like a lot of folks are really happy for him. You know, he has struggled uphill, and everyone, especially from the Flames fan base, is very partial to Big Save Dave. But of course, the Flames have had a lot of depth scoring issues. And to be honest, there's just a lot of, uh, I guess, roster gaps for them to fill. But for one night, getting a really nice shutout from your goaltender who's had a really tough start to the season probably feels very good, especially as a fan base that I feel like is is definitely in turmoil right now. For as much as I think the Jets have a lot of work to do, the Flames have way more coming to them over the next couple of seasons. Gonna be a tough one for the Flames because I don't know that they can really fully rebuild without moving some of their top stars like Goudreau and maybe Monahan and some of their other players. Good luck finding replacements for those guys if in fact they do move on. In just a moment, we'll take a look at a couple more rebuilding squads, one of which continues to rack up wins, and I I feel like this team in particular has caught a lot of people by surprise. I feel like I've talked about them before, uh, you know, in previous episodes, not just this season, but in last season too. I felt like this particular team has... I I don't know, quietly performed above expectation, and maybe there's something a little bit more to their level of success that perhaps leads fans of this team to be very excited about the future. Before we talk about this team and the result from last night, as well as the NHL action that occurred tonight, I thought you should know a little bit about why rockauto.com should become your one-stop shop for all your auto part needs. When it comes to automotive maintenance, finding a good source for all the auto parts you need can be a real pain in the butt. Even if you find a place that has the parts you need in stock, maybe you're actually paying way too much for them. If you want to find the best selection and pricing in the auto parts industry, look no further than RockAuto.com. RockAuto is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range filter so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. There's never a membership fee, and whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off brick-and-mortar retail pricing. Why shop anywhere else when RockAuto.com has the best selection and prices around? When you place your order, be sure to write "Locked on the Neat." How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're checking in around the league looking at a couple of score lines from last night and tonight, but before we go any further, I thought you should know about why you need to be listening to Locked on Bets right now. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now, speaking of some wins and whatnot, last night we had a couple of interesting results. Two of them were, actually, we had three 3-0 games, if you can believe it. Of course, the first one was Calgary beating Toronto, and then we had LA beating the Blues 3-0. I've mentioned this before, but I feel like the Kings continue to get overlooked because, you know, they are a Pacific Division team that, prior to this reorganization, was in full rebuild mode. And, of course, they got quit in Byfield. But I can't lie, there's been some interesting stuff going on with this team for about a season or two now, and I feel like underneath the surface, this team has been playing much better hockey than people realize. I've always been a bit more partial to Todd McClellan, I think because he's, at least to my mind, consistently gotten better results with the rosters he's been given. You know, Even with the guys who have come after him, no one really seems to get the same level of results and consistent play from these teams. Like any coach, McClellan certainly has his blind spots, but I feel like what he's doing with the Kings is setting this team up for a very good future, and if they start to get more prospects, like, you know, Villardi is becoming a regular, Jarrett Anderson-Dolan is playing more, Mikey Anderson is starting to get minutes, I feel like there's a lot to like with this Kings roster, especially down the road, and despite the aging veterans, a lot of them are still pretty productive, so... This team has a pretty bright future, and it looks very dangerous. An interesting team indeed, and of course, beating the Blues isn't exactly easy, especially shutting them out, so I'm sure that they're very happy to do so on the road. The Blues, for their part, I feel like continue to be a bit of an inconsistent team. I I don't really know if they're starting to reach the limits of what that roster is capable of, which, you know, if you start to decline after winning a cup, I don't think you really can complain about the results, but, you know, the Blues aren't really as good as they used to be, and I'm sure that they are starting to worry, especially without Tarasenko long-term. Their roster is pretty decent, and they have a a number of high-end playmakers and scorers, but overall that team just seems to be, for me, a little bit middling, and maybe now it's starting to catch up to them. The last 3-0 game we had on the night was Vegas beating Colorado 3-0, which is, uh, of course, a a surprising result, mostly because these games seem to be very high-octane affairs. You know, the, the Knights and Avs are both capable of piling goals on each other, and I feel like... The Knights shutting out the Avs is a little bit of a surprising result. You would expect Colorado to have at least one or two goals here and there, but, you know, maybe they are struggling a little bit to create You certainly can't be perfect every game, and I'm sure Colorado is going to take plenty of games in this series. This is like a a really big, almost like pre-playoff matchup between these two teams. Every time they face each other, it's just a really different level of hockey compared to what we're seeing with most of this league. These are two squads that have a legitimate claim to the Cup, and I think both teams are certainly going to be late in the running for the Cup. I feel like they're going to go far in the postseason, and it'll be interesting to see who emerges victorious. The last two games of the night saw Anaheim face uh, Arizona, and Anaheim ended up losing 3-4, which is a, a bit interesting. This was like a, a debut night for Trevor Zegris, and Zegres was very impressive from what I heard. I saw some highlights from his shifts, and of course it looked very good. Zegres put on a very big show over the past couple of months with uh, Team USA during the World Juniors, if I recall correctly. Very impressive skater, very offensively gifted, great passing, a strong release. Good spatial awareness, constantly just buzzing around the slot area. Dude is going to be an absolute monster for the Ducks. But, you know, it is Anaheim, and they are still definitely on the rebuilding side of things. So they ended up losing to the Yotsu. I don't know. Arizona's like a pretty decent team. Sometimes they struggle to uh, create offense consistently, but... I feel like their roster is a little bit underappreciated. Christian Dvorak is pretty good. Connor Garland is great. Uh, Jakob Chikrin is finally having full healthy seasons over the past couple of years. That's a big deal. And so maybe things are starting to turn around for them. I think long term they do have some questions as to some of their top prospects. But, you know, Barrett Hayton looks like he's going to be a pretty good one. And the current NHL squad looks pretty decent. Not, you know, amazing but good enough. The last of the two games on the evening was Minnesota versus San Jose, and San Jose kind of got blasted. Minnesota ended up winning 6-2, and given how the Wild have been playing recently, I don't think this result is super shocking. I think Minnesota is starting to put on a serious show, and I feel like the Wild are... A pretty legit team. Now that they are consistently outplaying their opponents and actually scoring goals, I think people are starting to take notice of the fact that maybe the Wild's rebuild is actually accelerated. And after their recent struggles with the, the internal management system until the past offseason, I mean, you know, the Wild were in full free fall mode, so this is a big deal for the team. And I'm sure the fan base is relieved to see the squad is actually starting to get results. The Sharks are who they are, they still need to rebuild, and of course they have a lot of veteran guys who are signed to big contracts, so I think their long-term projection is going to be tough. But they can likely expect a lot of a, uh, a lot of ups and downs throughout the season. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster year for them. But you know they have some young players that they want to check out and see how they're doing. This season is an opportune time just to mess around with things and see what you can pull out because you never know. Maybe you uh, end up going on some kind of a deep run on a bit of a PDO bender or something, and maybe the odds are in your favor. In just a moment, we'll check in with tonight's scorelines, including some thoughts about the uh, the Montreal Canadiens game against the Ottawa Senators. Since Winnipeg's next opponent is in fact Montreal, and they present a very interesting challenge that I don't think the Jets have yet faced. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your best choice for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, finding a safe, reliable, and convenient website can be very difficult. Your choices are usually pretty limited, and the site you choose might not even have the sports you love. That's why BetOnline has you covered. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. And if you're more into international football, tennis, and more, BetOnline also covers those as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. They also have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you can need so you'll always stay informed when you're placing your bets. Getting started is super easy. Just head on over to betonline.ag where you can register for a free account either on desktop or mobile. And when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports sportsbook experts. Get in on the action today. Hello and welcome back to this final segment of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some scores from around the league. We have a couple of really interesting ones tonight. There was a lot of high scoring action and perhaps some results that will be relevant to the Jets in the coming days. The first game, though, definitely not relevant. It's between the Buffalo Sabres and the New Jersey Devils, and apparently the New Jersey Devils had a couple of penalty kills, and then after that, basically just stopped playing. The Sabres ran all over them and ended up winning 4-1. Not much to say about this game other than, hey, Buffalo can actually win a game. And score goals, which is, you know, something that they have struggled to do over the past couple of weeks. I feel like finishing for them and outplaying opponents has been a struggle as well, so big result here for the Sabres. Maybe a little bit of a morale boost. And then following that, we had Pittsburgh versus Washington, which I did tune in for a bit. I'll say that the Caps under Peter LaViolette are not particularly good. I feel like a lot of the stuff that bothered me when he was with the Preds is still a problem here with the Caps. His line combinations and style of play tend to emphasize a more conservative style of hockey, which I don't really think fits the way the Caps should be playing. This team in some ways is actually worse than it was under Todd Reardon because even under Todd's uh, direction, which I felt like was a bit rough due to relative inexperience. You know, uh, Reardon at least understood some of the issues and wanted to have the team playing aggressively. I don't really feel like LaViolette is the same way, and a lot of times it's reflected in his philosophy of coaching. And the Caps just look boring, bad, and old, which is, I think, a very strange mix for this team that's typically favored a lot of speed. I know that team has a lot of aging veterans, but even Ovechkin looks really bad, and I feel like this is probably a a sign that something's not right with the Caps, and they do need to make a coaching change at some point in the near future. It's not going to happen because they did just hire LaViolette, but I don't really feel like he's a fit for this team. And so uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they do in the offseason, but I don't really feel like LaViolette is long for this team. And Washington was pretty fortunate to even get a point in this game. They ended up losing in overtime 3-2, to but even uh, tying it up was probably a big deal. I feel like, you know, despite the fact that they ended up conceding in extra time, they really can't complain because they were frankly listless for, you know, at least half the game. And it's just a disappointment to see this Caps team look so poor. Another team that looks very poor despite some major acquisitions is the Columbus Blue Jackets. They, uh, they ended up losing 5-6 to six in a shootout with Chicago, but this is a game that probably could have ended in regulation had the Blackhawks not done what they do, which is, you know, conceding goals late in games. Not super shocking because it is Chicago and they're definitely still in full rebuild mode, but... They certainly play more attractive hockey than the Blue Jackets do. I feel like Columbus is just a bad team. And despite the acquisition of Laine and Roslovic, the core stuff that bothers me with this squad hasn't really changed. You know, Laine and Roslovic had four out of five involvements on goals. If your two latest players were uh, really heavily involved on four of the five goals that you scored tonight, and the rest of the team really wasn't contributing as much, I do kind of worry about the makeup of this team. They're not super deep, and I feel like Tortorella has kind of run himself into a wall with the squad, especially tactically speaking. They got dominated by Chicago, and I feel like it's a, it's a bit of a mess with this team. Their zone entries and exits aren't great. Uh, you know, some of their power play stuff is, oh well, you know, in this case they had to rely on the power play because that's where they got all of their goals from Line a from. But before Laine, this power play really wasn't doing a whole lot. And it just seems like adding Patrick and Roslovic really hasn't changed the core issues with the team. They're still not very deep, they still play very bad hockey, and overall I just don't really think Columbus is a great squad. Ignoring, like, small sample size stuff, I've felt this way for a while with this team, and I felt like they got very lucky in a couple of previous playoff series, but who knows, maybe they end up doing some crazy stuff and lucking their way through the postseason again. I think they'll have to make it in the first place, which is going to be a bit of an uphill battle. All that said, as far as Jets fans are concerned, I think the game that probably most directly concerns the Jets is the one right after that, which was Montreal versus Ottawa. Ottawa ended up winning 5-4 to four in a shootout. And, of course, it was a very controversial shootout because a lot of Montreal fans and, you know, outside observers like myself felt like Montreal actually deserved the game winner. The Habs ended up scoring 5-4 to four right before the expiration of regulation, but the goal was ruled off due to interference. This is actually a really bad call because, you know, Brendan Gallagher, I think, was in the crease or something, and he did actually move Matt Murray, but the thing was, it was at, like, 6 seconds remaining. Murray had about 3 seconds to reset his positioning, which he made no real attempt to do, and then the puck gets tipped past him, and, you know, it is ruled a goalie interference situation. But to me, that's a good goal. You know, Murray had plenty of time to readjust his positioning. I don't think the interference actually interfered with his ability to play the puck. This is just a very crappy call, and I feel like Montreal does have the the right to feel aggrieved by this. That said, the Habs found themselves in this position to begin with, and they just weren't playing particularly great hockey. I felt like defensively they were very sloppy, and there were some really bad turnovers, missed plays, and breakaways conceded to a a pretty rough Suns roster. If Ottawa was actually clinical, the scoreline could have looked a lot worse and, you know, the Suns probably would have won in regulation, but Montreal seems to have escaped the worst damage. They still did scratch out a point, but I feel like against the Jets, Montreal may actually start to struggle. The coaching staff is making a lot of puzzling adjustments and choices, you know, one of them was to put Corey Perry at the top of the shootout lineup for some reason. On the one hand, that's like a really small decision in the grand scheme of things, but I think it's, you know, a bit of a sign that there's some stuff wrong with the Habs right now that the coaching staff doesn't really know how to fix. Their defense is very loose. Their offense can be very dangerous, especially with a lot of the counters and chaos that they can create down low. But aside from that, you know, their blue line is a little bit stagnant. Carey Price is decent, but not amazing. There's just some stuff that uh, maybe is starting to get exposed the more and more the Habs play the North Division. So I'm very interested to see what happens on Thursday. I was dreading this matchup for a while now, but the, uh, the Habs are starting to look a lot weaker than I expected, and maybe that's a sign that the Jets actually have an opportunity here to maybe even move into second place in the division. If Montreal really is starting to weaken and is in fact not as good as they appear, well, you know, maybe the Jets have an opportunity. Winnipeg ain't exactly a juggernaut itself, but they can take advantage of teams that are struggling like the Habs are, and maybe this is the time for the Jets to make some noise. I'll be curious to know what you think about this upcoming matchup, whether you expect the Jets to win or you think the Jets are going to struggle. Let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That will wrap it up for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to tune in to our special series, More Than The Game. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents, More Than the Game. Right now you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!